Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, men. It was good. I enjoyed listening to you all sing. And uh, I uh, tried to do a little bit of math up while they were singing. And uh, I believe our the median age of the men that were up front is uh, below 40, if I got my math right. So uh, now that would have been skewed if we're talking about all the men, because we had some men that didn't come forward, and that's all right. But... Um, but I, God's given us a good, good group of uh, young, uh, young uh, men and and uh, some boys that are coming up, and we thank the Lord for them, and we thank the Lord for our older ones and the wisdom that they have. Invite your attention, if you would, to Second Thessalonians chapter three. Second Thessalonians chapter three. I don't know if I'm going to get through this today. I thought maybe I'd like to get through the rest of this chapter today. We'll see if that happens. Uh, finish up the book. <clears throat> I guess it'll depend on how uh, restless uh, Jimmy gets. And uh, <laughs> we'll see. Next week we are having a shorter service. And so um, you all know that I can't preach short. And so... I've asked Rocky to preach for us, but he said no. So <laughs> but anyhow, we'll, we'll try to figure it out. We'll, I just don't do short very well. But uh, we'll try for next week. We'll do our best. I think, our, I think next Sunday our, our special is going to be over at the baccalaureate service. Um, so... Uh, We'll, uh, we'll have that as a little bit of a difference, but anyhow. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. We've been working through these books, haven't we? Uh, first and Thessalonians, first and second Thessalonians, and this letter, of course, is in response to a false letter. Someone has forged Paul's signature, and he's writing this in response, and we have dealt, of course, with uh, one of the big issues that we've had to deal with is, is the second coming and how to behave towards that. And uh, now he's giving us his um, final instructions, his, his inst uh, what, what shall we say, but our practical, practical daily how to behave. And so, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith, but the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you that ye, doth, or ye both do and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into patient waiting for Christ. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us, for yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. 
Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, for wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you, not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. And all the fathers said, Amen. <laughs> For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busy bodies. Now then, that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing, and if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always, by all means. The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with mine own hand, which is the token in every epistle, so I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Father, today's been a good day. You've been with us in the morning service. You've been with us tonight. And we're just thankful to be your children. We ask you for wisdom one more time as we endeavor to rightly divide the word of truth. Help us, Lord, to... Be careful. Help us to be wise. And Lord, help us not to say anything that would discourage or defeat, but Lord, may you be glorified and honored in it. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We live in a time when it seems that Christianity has become a title. It's become uh, an association that has no bearing on how a person lives. It's a dangerous place to be to hold a title that doesn't affect the way you conduct yourself. If you're a judge, there are expectations that you will live a certain way, and there are ethics committees, and if you don't live up to the behavior that you should as a judge, you can lose that title. We have a president that right now is facing scrutiny that perhaps, or perhaps not, but perhaps has not conducted himself as a president should have acted. And there's debate about what is going to happen if it's proven that that's exactly what's happened. Now, I'm not talking about politics. Some of you are get all worked up into what you think happened. It's not about that. It's about integrity of the title that you carry. It's integrity about the title that you carry. And if you have a certain title, there are certain expectations that we have. There are expectations of our teachers that, uh, at IBS. There are certain things that we expect of them that the public school teachers don't have to do. But we have the expectations because they are teachers of our school. There's a title, there's a responsibility that comes with it. 
I think it's something that we pretty well know. I think it's something that's pretty much common sense. And yet, somehow, it's not seeming to be common sense when people wear the title of Christian. And it's always been that way from Paul's day to even today. It's always been that way that people have carried the title but not carried themselves as such as one worthy of that title. I wish that we could somehow copyright the word Christian, the name Christian, and anybody who doesn't fulfill the the obligations, don't fulfill the, the lifestyle of it, that we could uh, uh, disallow them from using that term. Because there have been many who have embarrassed the cause of Christ because they call themselves Christian. In fact, just received word that Westboro Baptist Church is up to their shenanigans again in our own state. And the schools are having to make decisions about the safety of their students and teachers because people who claim the title of Christian aren't living like it. Aren't living like it. And Paul is, is, is writing to the church at, the, at Thessalonica. He's, they, he's confronting this false epistle. And this is what I so appreciate about what Paul is doing here. He's saying, listen, you should already know that this epistle is false because the, the advice given to you, the, the, the commands given to you went contrary to how we had conducted ourselves when we were there. It goes contrary to the teachings that we gave you while we were there. It doesn't make sense that you would believe that this comes from me because it contradicts everything I was while I was with you. But we have this tendency to believe what we want to believe rather than what is right and what is true and what really is common sense. And so Paul has, has begun to, as he's finishing up the letter, he's wanting to give us some practical ways that we can live out the title of being a Christian. And the first thing that he says is pray for your leaders. Pray for your leaders. Paul says pray for me because there are those that are doing their best to undermine the work that I'm trying to do. When uh, I sat for the very first time at Ernesto's, Brother uh, Gary and Sister Ruth had taken, us, taken me there, it was just, just the three of us, to, uh, we were here on our trial that weekend. You had all had, had uh, gotten, I mean, you'd gotten three days with me, and uh, all I have to say is you knew what you were getting. <laughs> it's your own fault. But we, we sat there, the, Brother Gary said, now, You've not asked anything about finances, and I figure it's none of my business. But they told me about how you all pay your pastor, and I thought, what in the world? I'd never been anything like that. Now, my father-in-law had something similar, not the same thing, but something similar, and I, and I thought, wow, that's, that's different. And they didn't play a part, I'll just be honest with you. What God wants, I'm, I'm happy for. 
But one of the things that has happened when I've gotten here, one of the things that I like is that during the prayer for the offering, you always pray for us. Pray for me and you pray for my family. And you know, I just, I've just appreciated that. As we've been here, I go almost two years, a few months short, but you know, I, sometimes, sometimes you don't know what an encouragement it has been just to hear you pray for your pastor. And you know, one of the things that I find is that we don't do a very good job with, during our, our prayer times of asking prayer for ourselves. Usually those are the unspoken requests, aren't they? Let's just be honest. Most of the time when we do unspoken requests, and I don't usually ask for a show of hands, I, I understand that a lot of people do that, but I haven't figured out the point of that because most people raise their hands anyways, and you don't remember who raised their hand and who didn't. So, so I just know every, just everybody has things that are on their heart. I just try to acknowledge it. But uh, most of the time... That's us. We don't do a good job asking for prayer for ourselves. Every once in a while, sometimes we'll pray for, you know, surgery or Sister Peggy asked for that, Brother Gary asked for wisdom. But the vast majority of our prayer requests, pray for my friend, pray for my cousin, pray for my mom, my, my, my brother, this, I mean, it was a co-worker and, and all these people, but but Paul says, very first thing is, pray for me. Pray for me. And do you know there are, there, there are those that God has called to the front lines of spreading the gospel, and I believe all of us are, but there's an opposition that we face. And if I'm just going to be honest with you this, this evening, and I, these last couple weeks, it has been really hard to get to the pulpit. And you all know the, the trials that we're facing, and I'll, and I'll just be honest, the desire to, to study and the desire to preach just hasn't been there the way it usually is. And I know you're all praying for me, and I, that's what keeps, keeps me uh, coming back for more, I guess. <laughs> keeps, me in the, keeps me preaching, but... We don't know what other people are going through. We don't know what our Sunday school teachers are going through necessarily. We don't know necessarily what our missionaries are, are going through. And we get bit, bits and pieces, but let's be honest, our missionary letters are pretty positive because if they told us the reality of it, we'd probably get so discouraged we wouldn't give them any money because we'd be so depressed. They got to tell us all the good things that are happening. Don't they? I have, I have missionary friends, and uh, I don't, I won't say who it is, but I have missionary friends that they have a private, invite-only Facebook group where they can share their real prayer request. I'm thankful they consider me a close enough friend to be able to be a part of that, that they can trust just these, just this inner circle to pray over their needs. They've got their missionary one for 
for everybody else. And I think, you know how sad is it that they, have to, they feel a necessity to have to have two? Paul wasn't bashful about saying, let's pray for me, pray for your leaders, pray for those that, are, that have responsibility, pray for, pray for them, because not all men are of the faith. There's people working against us. And if it isn't people, it's the enemy of our souls that are working against us. And sometimes it's just life that's working against us. It's not the devil's fault and it's not people's fault. It's just life. Sometimes life just isn't great. And we don't have anyone to blame. I think sometimes we blame the devil for just life. I don't want to give him any more credit than he already gets. Sometimes just life happens. It's no one's fault. It just is. Paul says if you're going to wear the title of being a Christian, if that's what you're going to call yourself, you need, it begins in the place of being a prayer warrior for those that are on the front lines. And I'm preaching to the choir. You all pray for us. I know you do. I hear you pray for me. I just want you to know how much is encouraging and helpful to me. I just want to encourage you, keep at it. Not just for me, but for, but for Brother Shaper. Brother Albert needs our prayers desperately. Our uh, district superintendent desperately needs our prayers. I mean, the list goes on and on of different ones. Brother Matt Brewer needs our prayers. Our teachers need our prayers. Your prayer might be the, what saved that teacher's last nerve this week as we get to the end of school. I don't know if any of them were on their last nerve this week, but I have suspicion that some are getting really close. Folks, we ought not to be embarrassed about requesting prayer for ourselves. If Paul the Apostle can say, pray for me, I'm having a hard time. There's men who aren't of the faith that are resisting and making it difficult to, to spread the gospel. We need your prayers. How much can we, should we ought to as brothers and sisters, ones that meet together every week, three times a week? How much should we be able to just say, We're st- I'm in need of prayer? It's me, it's me that needs prayer. You know what? We do this dumb thing. Pardon me, I shouldn't say dumb. It is, but I shouldn't say it. We do this really... I can't say dumb. I don't have a good word. It's just dumb. I'm speaking from me. I'm not speaking for the Lord when I say it's dumb. All right, I, Paul did that. I'm going to do that. It's dumb. We compare our problems to other people's problems, and we say, well, I don't have cancer, so my problem isn't big enough to request prayer over. I don't have this problem like so-and-so has, and so mine's not big enough to request prayer over. We should really only request prayer for the big stuff, and, and mine isn't like their problem. Folks, what, since when do we compare ourselves? I mean, the, the Bible tells us not to compare ourselves among ourselves. 
And I don't care if you're, you know, I, I just love, I just love that, that children, when you go to, go to the chapel, and if you ever get a chance, I recommend you do, I just love, pray for my dog, it died. I got a splinter. I love that the kids can, they, that they're so in tune with their need for God that they'll ask God for things that seem silly to you or me because they're not busy comparing their problem to anybody else's problem. But we keep doing that. And do you know what happens? This is, I believe with all my heart, this is a trick of the enemy. This is not spiritual. I believe it's a trick of the enemy because it isolates us from those that could pray for us and support us and help us. I don't want us to just be Sunday friends. We can't be that. We can't be a clubhouse that gets together three times a week. We can't be that. We are supposed to be brothers and sisters who are in a spiritual battle. In fact, Paul is going to use Greek words that are military terms here. We are supposed to be defending each other. And what happens if we don't defend ourselves? Well, if we don't defend ourselves, we're in trouble. But if our brother to the left or the right doesn't defend ourselves, we're in trouble. One of the reasons that the Roman army was so powerful in Paul's day was because they had a different military strategy than the, the barbarians that they fought. The barbarians, the Goths, they would, they would have their great warriors. And each man was fighting for his own personal glory. His own personal honor. And so they would go and they would, they would lunge at the enemy and they would, swords and axes and spears and all these things flying every which way. And it was chaos. But at the end of the day, they would, they would gather together around the campfires and talk about all the enemies that they slew. And I'm sure it was a lot like fishing stories. The guy was 12 feet tall. He had an axe the size of a tower. I'm sure it went something like that. But they were all fighting for their own glory. But Rome, Rome had a different idea. Rome says we are going to operate as one. No individual glory. Those that are on the front lines, they will have their shields. Their shields will be large. They will overlap. Or we will have our spears. We will, we will go in between. And it's your job to protect the man next to you. And the two men beside you will protect you. And then there would be a whistle, and we still haven't figured out how they would do this. But the front lines would somehow move back through the columns. And the people that were in the second row were now in the front those that were in the front and were tired and weary from fighting were now in the back and they were resting and the front was fighting and doing battle. And pretty soon the whistle would blow and they would know the front lines now would move to the back and those that were in the second row or originally in the third are now in the front lines fighting the battle. And on and on the war would go, the battle would go, and those that were weary would go to the back, and those that were strong and, and fresh would fight. Folks, that's what the church is supposed to be. 
We're supposed to be uh, standing for, in front of our brothers and sisters who are tired and weak. And when we're weak and when we're vulnerable, we're supposed to move to the back and allow those that are strong and those that are able to move to the front. Say, I don't know about that, preacher. Well, let me tell you. In the book of Genesis, we hear, we read of, a, of an interesting word for Eve. God said that he made for her a helpmate. Helpmate. This is... Some have, have tried to, to act like this word means a personal servant. That's not what that means. Sorry, gentlemen. Doesn't mean that she gets to rub your feet and all those things, although it's nice that they do. It doesn't mean she makes you a sandwich. What it means is this. It's a military term for the one who stands in front and shields the one behind. God recognized that Adam by himself was vulnerable and there would be times that he would be weak and he would need someone who would stand in front of him and protect her husband. It's a place of honor. In fact, it's a word that is even used for God himself for us where God stands in front of us and shields us from the enemy. This is the design of the family, the design of the home, and the design of the church that we would be each other's uh, helpmeet. We would stand in front in the place of prayer, in the place of support, and saying, I'm going to stand in front of you while you're weak, while you're vulnerable. I'm not going to allow the enemy to get you. I'm going to stand here as long as I can. And Paul is saying, I am vulnerable right now. There's people that are writing epistles in my name and forging my name. There's people that are fighting against my ministry. There's people who are undermining the truth. There's, there's Judaizers and there's all these people who are not of the faith that are trying to wreck what we're trying to do. He said, I'm vulnerable. I need you in the place of prayer to stand in the way of the enemy. And I appreciate the vulnerability of Paul here. I appreciate it. In our American individualism, we have lost this. We've lost this. We've gone to fight like the Goths, where, all, where every man and every woman for themselves, everyone for your own glory. And God says, I've got an army. And we are supposed to be shielding each other. Well, <laughs> you just forgive me this, this evening for getting a little bit excited about God's word. I just do sometimes. <laughs> and when you're vulnerable and when you're weak, you ought to let someone who's supposed to, that, that wants to, someone who's, who's strong and, and, and someone who's prayed up and, and, and to be able to stand in the, in the gap for you, stand in front and shield you. You know how bad we are at this? We're so bad at this that, that I believe, as I recall the number, 90% of pastors and their wives don't even pray together. That's just how pathetic we are. In our American individualism, we can't even accomplish 
that. And you know what? It's easy to get busy with school and work and kids and church. That we just don't get caught up, that we forget that we need to stand in the gap for each other. I got through one point. The Lord knows this evening where you are. And he knows whether you're strong or if you're vulnerable. And there's no shame in being vulnerable. If, if it could be that the Apostle Paul could be vulnerable and request prayer. Now let me take that back. If Jesus could go to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane and ask them to pray for him because he was vulnerable and asking them to form a shield for him. If Jesus could do that and be vulnerable for us, can't we follow the footsteps of our example? If Jesus can be vulnerable, why can't we? If Jesus didn't portray himself as someone who was super spiritual, and he was, but even as super spiritual as Jesus was, he, he was asking his disciples, pleading with them, to watch and pray because he was vulnerable. Why do we think that we're better than Jesus? I don't know. I think sometimes it's pride. Sometimes we don't, we don't want people to know that we're vulnerable. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's we don't like to be a burden. Maybe it's because we're the one that's, this is me oftentimes, I'm the one that, that's serving. In fact, I said to someone, said in the midst of this, I said, this has bothered me. I said, I'm the server, not the one that served. And it's a hard thing to be on the receiving end when I, usually I'm the giver. And I don't know why it's difficult for you and I, why uh, to to be vulnerable but if we're going to wear the title of christian and if we're going to live this thing out successful we're not going to be able to do it fight like the goths we're going to have to fight like the romans we're going to have to shield each other the strong in the front and the weak and the tired in the back and i wonder if we've lost them because we didn't protect them and maybe some were lost because we didn't know and they kept it hidden from us. I hope there are none that are out there lost because we knew when we didn't do it. But God give us eyes to see and ears to hear when we, a brother or sister is weak and vulnerable that we can be one that would run to their aid. Brethren, pray for us. Father, and pray for us. Let's stand together. Amen. Amen. Yes, brother.